You are entering the Freedom Hut. CNN's favorite White House reporter clown, Jim Acosta, gets his pass back to the White House. Judge ruled in his favor. We'll talk about that. And also the latest on the elections in Florida and Georgia. Got some experts joining. And what's going on with immigration, the caravan, and all the rest of it? Plus, Facebook involved in some very shady business. That and more coming up on The Buck Sexton Show. This is The Buck Sexton Show. Where the mission mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. Make Make no mistake. America. You're a great American. Again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show. I am back here in the swamp. I missed you all very much, although I did uh, I did hear, as always, that my main man, Raheem, did a fantastic job in for me. So I'm, re- I'm really glad that you guys uh, are enjoying the uh, some of the new guests we're going to have, guest hosts we're going to have in the ro- rotation. Uh, Raheem, of course, high up on that list. Uh, with the holidays coming, we might even have some other some other new special exciting folks. Who knows? I'd like to keep you all on your toes. Um, but uh, I was out in Springfield, Illinois, land of Lincoln. It was um, it was really fun. I got to speak to some really great Republicans. You know that that part of of Illinois, Sangamon uh, County, is pretty red, which is nice. It's like oh, I'm on I'm on home turf here, home team. I'm so used to living among the Lib team that when I get when I go to a place where there are conservatives, where there are Republicans, I'm like wow, so this is what America feels like for a lot of people. I'm so used to walking around like, oh, is that Antifa around the corner? Oh no, I have to always keep that in mind. We've got some uh, really interesting stuff to get into together today. Obviously, I didn't get a chance to talk to you yesterday. Some updates on the Georgia and Florida races, which are still the 2018 midterms, still going on. Haven't figured that out. Stacey Abrams, apparently. We're going to have Phil Kirpin join us to uh, really walk through exactly what's... Because he's all over this election law stuff, and uh, he'll give you the full run. You'll know more to listen to that guy than I think you will listen to... There's very few people that really drill down into it the way that he does that I see out there. Uh, But Stacey Abrams is... She said she can't defeat Kemp in Georgia, but she also plans to sue to essentially get a totally new election. I mean, this is just crazy. This is a whole. This is a whole other level of shenanigan. A whole other level of shenanigans from the uh, from the Democrats. So, not really, not really all that surprising. But nonetheless, this is this is what they do. This is you could say how they roll. Uh, and then in Florida, obviously, there's still all kinds of stuff going on there that we will discuss. Uh, we got the caravan. Where's the caravan going? What's going on? And the big news for today, and I will discuss with you, and I'll get into a little bit of the, it's not a legal opinion that's final. It's a preliminary legal injunction. I'll get into it. But, you know, Jim Acosta gets his pass back. Ooh, you know. So CNN now has 51 people with White House passes. Oh, my, oh, good heavens. The Republic was in jeopardy before. They were all so upset about it. Oh, it's terrible. And look, I mean, I'm I'm not with uh, not all conservatives are with me on this. I know that you know Fox News actually backed Acosta up in this one. So, I, and I'm not perfect. I'm a human being. So the fact that Acosta is an untalented clown um, 
definitely probably weighs in on my judge. Definitely probably. Oh man, spoken like a spoken like a liberal pundit. Definitely probably uh, weighs on my judgment of how acceptable or unacceptable what he did really is. So I, I will admit that. I mean, well, what he did was jerk stuff. I'm not saying that. You know, the jerk store called and they say they're running out of Acosta. So, but what I mean is the procedural reality of can he be kicked out? We'll, we'll get into all that because this is the biggest news story of the day. The biggest news story of the day only because it involves the media. And I try to be self-aware about this because technically, yeah, I know. And some of you, some of you emails are like, Buck, you're in the media. Yeah, but like not really, you know, I mean, yeah, but kind of. I'm, I'm, I'm some other, some other type. I'm not your, uh, your typical media dude. Um, certainly didn't go to J school. Uh, so we'll get into some of that, but it's because it involves the media. The media cares about it so much, but who really cares? And we'll make fun of Acosta a little bit. That'll be good times. Oh, also Kamala Harris thinks that people should know. I mean, she's not saying it. She just wants people to know at a congressional hearing that, you know, Democrats kind of think that immigrations and customs enforcement is the KKK. Kind of, kind of similar. She's not saying that she says it. She just wants everyone to know that she hears people saying it. Uh, if you, you can't make it, you can't make this stuff up. This is this is who wants to run the country. By the way, these are the Democrats. I think they should be in charge. But all right, so I think this is actually a much more interesting story than any of that, which is why I'm uh, I'm starting it off with this today, and it's actually a New York Times piece, and it's called "A Look Inside the Tactics of Definers." Facebook's attack dog. Now, yeah, you have to get into the weeds a little bit on this one for it to really the full impact hit home. But l- l- let me let me walk you through this. So, Facebook hired this group called Definers Public Affairs, and their whole thing is that they yeah they work in in PR, but it's kind of aggressive PR. It's really more propaganda for hire. So, Facebook hires this this group and. They, for example, compile information on senators that's derogatory information about particularly their use of Facebook. Um, but they uh, they use software to tally what the 15 members of the intelligence community use to track visitors to their Senate websites. They also looked at how much easy, uh, rather, how much each senator spent on Facebook ads and how much they received in campaign donations from Facebook. So they're doing oppo research on senators right before Facebook, at Facebook's behest, right before Facebook is going down to testify on Capitol Hill about how, according to Sheryl Sandberg, the uh, CEO, uh, chief operating, a uh, chief operating officer, rather, obviously Zuckerberg's the CEO, they want to work with senators, right? They 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 wanted to work with the Senate committee, but oh wait, they were compiling oppo research on those senators. That's that doesn't seem like a very good faith action, does it? And they're tracking the tools that Senate websites uh, use. So what what they're essentially saying is, you want to regulate Facebook, but you use Facebook, so you're a hypocrite, senators. Oh, okay. This is, and by the way, Facebook, since this has come out, it's completely backed off. I mean, like, oh, we, we don't want to do that. We, you know, we don't want to be involved in that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's, that's what we thought. That's, I had a feeling, I had a feeling that's the case. So you look a little deeper into it, though, and the way they went about this is particularly interesting. Definers, remember, Facebook hires definers to compile oppo research on senators 
who are going to be in a committee with a senior Facebook officer talking about, you know, what they could do about Russia collusion stuff and, and should they be regulated and all. So, you know, they're basically getting ready to go to war with the Senate if they have to in public in public relations stuff. And then there's some more details that I think are very interesting about this. So, quote, Facebook initially hired definers, this this PR group, to monitor news about the social network. It's really a private intelligence firm, by the way. It's really not a PR group. Private intelligence is the way we should describe this. It expanded its relationship with the firm when scrutiny of Facebook was increasing over how Russian agents had used the site to sow discord before the 2016 United States election. Should it be discord, discord or discord? I'd probably say that one wrong. Definers began doing some general communications work, blah, blah, blah. It also undertook more covert efforts to spread the blame for the rise of Russian disinformation, pointing, other finger, pointing fingers at other companies like Google. Oh, wow, you mean Facebook, which just wants to be your buddy and is such a great, wonderful, friendly, big hug of a company, hired another company to spread disinformation about that company when it came to who's responsible for Russian disinformation. Disinformatia. I don't know. I don't speak Russian. Some of you do. You're always like, Buck, your emphasis is on the wrong syllable. That's probably true, but this... I just like to say it like, my name is Yuri Disinformatia. Then it sounds close enough, right? Or is it Disinformatia? I'll keep switching syllables till I get it right. It goes on, though, folks. Not just trying to throw Google under the bus here. Facebook hired this private intel firm to do the following. Quote, a key part of Definer's strategy was NTK Network a website that appeared to be a run-of-the-mill news aggregator with a right-wing slant. In fact, many of NTK's news stories were written by employers, uh, or employees rather, at Definers and America Rising, a sister firm, to criticize rivals of their clients, according to one former employee not allowed to speak publicly. Folks, Facebook hired a private intel firm to spread fake news about the fake news that was spread by the Russians. You can't make this up. They appear to be conservative. They're, they're spoofing conservative websites or a conservative opinion in order to throw people off the scent of how responsible Facebook was for this. This is pretty, I mean, come on, this is pretty amazing, right? Think about this for a second. Um, and they went after people. Quote, in an email days before the hearing, a Definers employee pressed a Times reporter to write that Facebook was talking to senators, talking, uh, taking the senator's concerns seriously while Google was irresponsible. The day before the hearing, this fake news network that was actually this Definers group hired by Facebook said that Senator Marco Rubio had suggested that Google was possibly a monopoly. The next day, shortly after the hearing ended, NTK Network posted another story highlighting Rubio's criticism of Google during the hearing. My friends, Facebook hired this company to spread fake news about senators while they're meeting with senators to discuss the problem of fake news. Come on, people. This is beautiful, right? This is amazing. Silicon Valley, they're all a bunch of libs. You can't trust them. Can't trust the libs. You know this. Can't trust the libs. 
Should be a song. I should write a song called Can't Trust the Libs. Uh, and then it goes even a little deeper. This gets even more interesting. Definers distributed memos that sought to lay out evidence for angles that it wanted reporters to pursue, according to the New York Times here. The memos were typically based on public information, etc., etc. Definers urged reporters to explore the financial ties between Mr. Soros, that's that George Soros, hello, Soros is here, and Freedom from Facebook, a coalition of groups that had criticized Facebook. The idea was to persuade reporters that the coalition was not a sincere movement of like-minded groups, but rather an orchestrated campaign by a rich partisan opponent. A two-page document that definers distributed about freedom from Facebook noted that at least four of the groups in the coalition received funding or are aligned with George Soros, who has publicly criticized Facebook. The four groups named the document appear to have received do, uh, do appear to have received funding from Soros's Open Society Foundations. That's right, they're blaming Soros. Facebook blames Soros for uh, for some of its public relations woes, uh, and says that these these anti Facebook groups are receiving their funding from Soros. Wait, I thought I thought saying that you receive funding from Soros was anti Semitic. That's what that's what we we're being told by journos like a week ago. But now Facebook will do that. So so somebody tell me, what are the new rules here? When a bunch of Silicon Valley libs with tremendous uh, resources and reach and power, Facebook and others, when they say, but Soros is behind this stuff. Is that anti-Semitic or is that OK? You mean that Soros actually does fund a lot of these groups to make it seem like they're more grassroots and organic than they are and that they're pushing a a left-wing agenda or in this case just an anti-facebook agenda and they're willing to pretend it's coming from fake conservative groups by the way we 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 weren't supposed to find out about any of this this all just came out if this is what's going on in this one case what else do you think facebook is up to you know i've been telling you for a while those you listen have been listening have been with me for a while it's only a matter of time before you see the weaponization of social media platforms, not just for propaganda purposes, but to target individuals. Facebook and Google and Twitter, these places, they have information on so many people. And people use them for private conversations, for sensitive business conversations. They probably shouldn't, but everybody does because it's so convenient. There will be a time, mark my word, there will be a time, and it might be 2020, when at a critical moment, one of these social media companies will say, you know what, we have this information, we just have terms of service, we're not contractually bound to keep it all secret, and here's what candidate so-and-so was saying to his mistress, you know, before he visited his, uh, you know, his wife at the, at the hospital or something, I mean, that's going to happen. That is going to happen. And that, I think, is something that, you know, we, we all need to be very aware of here. Um, and we got more on this and, uh, and a whole lot more. We'll talk about the Acosta situation and all that coming up. So stay with me. In the midst of all the whining coming from the left, I mean, it's just crazy these days, right? They're chasing people out of restaurants, yelling at you in the coffee shop, acting like a bunch of maniacs. 
you have to wonder, why in the world would anyone act this way? My guess is they're just not getting their daily dose of Black Rifle coffee. I drink Black Rifle every morning. In fact, it's such delicious coffee that I'm usually a guy that likes a little con leche in my coffee. But guess what? I drink it black because it's Black Rifle for one. And also, this is delicious small batch roast to order coffee. All right. I am a silence for smooth blend guy, but their entire catalog of different beans and blends is amazing. Black Rifle is roast to order and is guaranteed fresh right to your door. Nothing cures a bad attitude like starting your day with the most American coffee ever, Black Rifle Coffee. Visit blackriflecoffee.com slash buck. Receive 15% off your order. That's blackriflecoffee.com slash buck for 15% off. Blackriflecoffee.com slash buck. Okay, before we get into uh, Acosta's hard pass, which every, I know the media is obsessed with a lot of you, like, Buck, who cares? I, I know. But this is one of these problems where I, I can't determine the news cycle, right? And I can't be my own, my own news gathering organization, you know. You know the, the, the Freedom Hut reports, you know. I mean, I, I need other people to actually do some reporting, too. I can't just pull it all together myself. Um, I mean, I can tell you what it was like at the airport in illinois at 5 a.m this morning i mean i you know that was exciting but other than that i've been in the air most of today um but we'll talk about the cost thing a little bit and then we'll move on to areas that i think matter more to you what's going on with the Mueller probe what's going on with immigration the elections florida georgia so we'll cover all that all that good stuff and then we'll send you off with some fantastic roll call and chit chat and, and the most important question of the moment which is should pickles be on burgers not next to them on them We'll get into that. But I, I saw this, and this is just a reminder of how skewed these social media platforms have become. Uh, this woman, Megan Murphy, I don't know who she is. I think she's a liberal. Though. I think she's a lib. She calls herself a pinko in her Twitter bio, so I think that's a lib thing. Uh, it's basically saying she is a commie, she, and she's a feminist. She got in trouble with Twitter. She Twitter sent her, this was on Twitter today. She got a note from them saying that you are violating our rules against hateful conduct. This is official from Twitter. Do you know what she said? How are trans women not men? What is the difference between a man and a trans woman? And then said, men aren't women. I am not exaggerating. I am not making this up. I am not taking it out of context. It is now considered a violation of Twitter's terms of service to state the following. Men are not women. Let that sink in for a moment. You can be deplatformed. You can be called out for abusive behavior and violation of rules for saying that men are not women. I, I, don't, think, I don't think that it's too much to say that we're living in some kind of bizarro left-wing delusion now. Because I'm going to go on record. I'm not afraid to say it. I don't care who yells at me. I'm darn sure that men are not women. That this is a thing that you and I know. And I don't care how many progressives, how many on the left, how many Democrats try to tell me otherwise. Great day for the First Amendment and journalism. Very excited to have Mr. Acosta be able to go back and get his hard pass and report the news about the White House. Uh, I'll turn it over to Jim. Okay. Uh, everybody, thanks for coming. I, I just want to say something very briefly, and that is uh, I want to thank all of my colleagues in the press who supported us this week. 
and I want to thank the judge uh, for the decision he made today. And let's go back to work. Acosta got his hard pass back. Man, I got to tell you, this one is this one is annoying. This decision is annoying. Acosta is annoying. This whole this whole thing. It man. So let's just like let's take a little trip down, a little trip down. Well, no, no, before we take a trip down memory lane, I'll tell you what happened. So you had a judge issue a preliminary injunction today, federal judge, it's a Trump appointee. And the long and the short of it is he said on Fifth Amendment due process grounds, they must give Acosta his press pass back because it you know inhibits him from reporting and blah blah blah, First Amendment stuff. But he didn't make a clear First Amendment ruling as to whether or not they could restrict his access based upon how much of a jerk he's being. Because he's definitely being a jerk, but the judge didn't really weigh in on that one. The judge says there's a lack of, of due process here. Um, and, and what that means now is that Acosta, the, the hero of the resistance left, the, uh, by the way, this guy has never said an interesting, smart, or, or witty thing on his life on television. It's just a, he's, a, he's one of these guys who would be lucky to be like the, lo- the local news anchor in some, you know, s- small town in Massachusetts. And yet now he's this guy who's the, the First Amendment martyr for CNN. It's just so frustrating. But, you know, look, the, they, the problem here is that they didn't have the due process concern. And there's a previous court ruling from, I think, back in the 70s that that, that somehow influ- that influences this decision. The due process component of it is, well, there's not rules, and so it's arbitrary. And they have to give him the right to respond. They have to give him essentially written notice. Um, I mean, I, I complete just for the record, I completely disagree with this. I mean, I think it's crap. Uh, whether on a on a purely procedural basis, this judge ruled the right way. I mean, this this is it's getting down into the weeds. By the way, it's not a final ruling; it's a preliminary injunction. Um, but you know, because what I say is, all right. So there's not official rules. If Acosta stood up and started just screaming curses at the president, they wouldn't give him written notice. They would just escort him out of the room and take away his hard pass and take away his access to the White House. Can they not do that? Oh, I'm sorry. They have to give him written notice of that? They, they, they have to say, Mr. Acosta, you have violated the following rules, and then let him respond in writing? I mean, you know, at some point, the process, and by the way, there, there's a lot of abuse of this due process concept now. Whenever there's anything that can be done to st- stick a thumb in the eye of the Trump administration, you see a lot of this. Uh, so... Uh, obviously very, very frustrating. But Trump is saying that now they're going to write up rules on decorum so that they have a a codified, hey, don't be a jerk like Acosta system in place. Uh, Play 11, John. Mr. President, when you talk about rules and regulations, what do you use? Uh, Decorum. Uh, You can't take three questions and four questions and just stand up and not sit down. Decorum. You have to practice decorum. Uh, you were there, you understood, and, and you understand. We want uh, total freedom of the press. It's very important to me. It's more important to me than anybody would believe. But you have to act with respect. You're in the White House. And when I see the way some of my people get treated at press conferences, it's terrible. So we're setting up a certain standard, which is what the court is requesting. 
And always freedom of the press, always First Amendment. Uh, but uh, that's the way it is. And we always have the option of just leaving. You know, if we feel that things aren't being treated properly, that people aren't being treated properly. We always have the right to leave. And I think the other media, the other press in the room will not be very happy if that happens. But I've instructed my people, when they're not treated properly, you have the right to just leave anytime you want. Yep. So now they're going to have the rules in place. Now now they've decided that, uh, you know, this is going to be a situation where in the future they'll be able to take away Costa's hard pass. But just just as a little fun, a little fun, uh, as I said, a trip down memory lane here. When when you have all these people saying, oh, Acosta, it's a victory of the First Amendment. This is how this jerk acted back on November 7th. John, pl- play the Trump v. Acosta throwdown. I think you should let me run the country. You run CNN. All right. And if you did it well, your ratings well, let me would be ask, much better. If I, if I may okay, ask one enough. other question, Mr. President, if I may, if I may uh, ask Peter, one other ahead. question, are you worried? Of, that's enough. That's enough. Mr. President, I, that's well, I was going to ask one of the, the other folks. That's had, enough. Pardon me, ma'am. I'm, I'm, Mr. Excuse President, me. that's enough. Mr. President, I had one other Peter, question, if go. I may ask, on, on the Russia investigation. Are you concerned that... That you may have I'm not concerned about anything with you the may have Russian investigation because it's a hoax. Are you, That's enough. Put down the mic. Mr. President, are you worried about indictments coming down in this investigation? Mr. President. I'll tell you what. CNN should be ashamed of itself having you working for them. You are a rude, terrible person. You shouldn't be working for CNN. Go ahead. I, I think that's unfair. You're a very rude person. The way you treat Sarah Huckabee is horrible. And the way you treat other people are horrible. You shouldn't treat people that way. Go ahead. In, in, go in ahead, Jim, Peter. Go in, ahead. In Jim's defense, I've traveled with him and watched him. He's a diligent reporter who busts. Well, I'm not a big fan us. of yours either. So I you understand. Know, to be honest. So, right. let me, so let me ask you a question, if I can. You repeatedly you said are, you are the best, Mr. President. You repeatedly <laughs> over the course <laughs> okay, of just sit down, please. I mean, look, Trump can handle these guys. Obviously, he did a great. He did a great job there. I really, I really like the Peter Alexander thing. You know, yeah, you're not so great either, dude. Just, just calm yourself. Calm yourself. I mean, this this notion of of solidarity in the press. By the way, let me tell you for a second, a little bit of an inside peek here. Um, most of these people in the press hate each other. Most of them are eyeing each other's jobs. Most of them talk smack about each other all the time. And I, I'm not guessing. I, I know because I hear what they say. I see what they say. Uh, a lot of people in the press corps, it, it just attracts the, uh, the 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 biggest egos with the thinnest skin. I mean, that's what you generally get, especially in the tr- traditional mainstream uh, mainstream media, TV journalism side of things. I mean, you just get the worst, the worst people. And I just think it's so funny. They're all like, "Oh yeah, we're all standing together at the First Amendment, please." This is now this is now the press's own version of this is a special version of virtue signaling. You know, the the first amendment uh the first amendment martyr pose that they're all taking here. Meanwhile, CNN has like 50 other people with hard passes. I mean, the the idea that Jim Acosta's not even lack of access, he wasn't even banned from the White House. He just wasn't able to walk in and out whenever he pleased. You have to stop in and get a pass. By the way, I've had to do that. I, when I interviewed the president, I'd stop and get a pass. You know, you don't see me walking around with some scarlet letter on, on my chest. Oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? I mean, you know, give me a break. It's so ridiculous. The whole thing is so completely absurd. And and I just want to know, you know, when is InfoWars going to 
say that they should get White House press creds. On, on what First Amendment basis can the White House deny them press credentials? Somebody answer that and answer me that question. I, I'm not aware of any First Amendment basis that they can be denied because apparently you have a due process right to be told why you can't. And the only re- way they could tell them they can't be uh, given a pass to InfoWars, for example, would be to say because you're a bunch of you know maniacs. And that's that's viewpoint discrimination, folks. So the White House doesn't get to make these kinds of designations anymore. If you if you really continue, people are right now, oh, it's due process. Yeah, but there's still a First Amendment question, and they may have to look at this. They're going to force the issue. You know, what, a lot of what this comes down to is that journalists realize that there's no secret sauce to what they do except for access. Access and the platform is everything. Access to newsmakers. Anybody sits down with a a newsmaker and they get ratings. We all know this. Anybody gets access to the president or whatever, you're going to have, if it's written, you're going to have a lot of clicks. If it's a video, you're going to have a lot of views, right? I mean, this is, and so there's real money at stake here. That's, that's, once you start to think about it in those terms, it all makes a whole lot more sense. You go, wait, hold on a second. Access to the White House is really a, a monetary issue for media organizations. So I'll, I'll just I'm just pointing out that this whole thing, man, it, it is so off the rails. This this Acosta nonsense, and and I think it's going to create a lot of problems, you know, a lot of problems down the line. But you know, here we are, here we are with uh, with CNN just doing what it does, which is acting like they're they're just they're just there to protect the First Amendment, man. Like they just want to make everybody like they just want to take care of everybody who's a journalist out there, please. You know, I, I give credit to Major Garrett, uh, who I think is over at CBS now, who said that when he was at Fox, Obama used to trash Fox News all the time. And and remember, you want to talk about a threat to free expression, free of the press. Half the country only has one news channel to watch. One. Half the country. And that channel was just completely maligned by Obama because Obama was so used to everybody telling him how brilliant and what a genius he was. What a what a pile of garbage that was. Anybody who would stand up and say, you know, maybe Obama's not perfect, uh, pretty much was at Fox News, with, with a handful of exceptions, was at Fox News. And Obama would, Obama essentially said they're not a news network, as well as calling out talk radio and talk radio hosts by name when the president did that and the opposition to him in the media was was a fraction of the support that he had in the media, you know, oh, the First Amendment wasn't under assault then. When Obama used the Espionage Act to go after reporters and listed a Fox News reporter as an unindicted co-conspirator in a federal criminal espionage indictment, you know, the press, yeah, they, 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 there was some criticism of it, but it was all kind of like, come on, Obama, you're so amazing. Don't be not amazing on this one because you're the greatest, Obama. But this one wasn't the greatest, but you're still the greatest. That's basically the tone they take. Man, you know, I got to keep an eye. I got to keep an eye on these lefties. They're a cagey, disreputable, dishonest bunch, especially Acosta. WikiLeaks back in the news today. Looks like there's a, a legal battle brewing right now because the founder of WikiLeaks, Julian Assange, 
has said via his lawyers today that he will not at least willingly go to the United States because it has come out that uh, in an, this is let me, let me just tell you what the Associated Press reported here. That'll make make more sense. Um, in an errant court filing in an unrelated case from prosecutors, it was inadvertently revealed that there are sealed charges against Drew and Assange. The filing, discovered late Thursday night, said the charges and arrest warrant would need to remain sealed until Assange is arrested in connection with the charges in the criminal complaint and therefore no longer evade or avoid arrest and extradition in this matter. A person familiar with the matter, according to the Associated Press, speaking on the condition of anonymity, uh, confirmed that charges had been filed under seal. The exact charges Assange faces and when they might be unsealed remained uncertain. Any charges against him could help illuminate whether Russia coordinated with the Trump campaign to sway the 2016 presidential election. They also would suggest that after years of internal Justice Department wrangling, prosecutors have decided to take a more aggressive tack against WikiLeaks. This is very interesting. This is very interesting. This is going to face quite a challenge because here's the problem that we're going to come up against here. Now, I mean, I think Assange is, I think Assange has got some uh, very shady, very shady connections. I think he's got shady. I think he does have shady connections to the Russians. I think he's a, he's not a, not a good, not a good guy in that sense. But we in this country allow American citizen journalists, American citizens who are journalists to publish classified information, including very damaging classified information, with impunity. And that's not a special constitutional protection that they have. That does not exist. They live under the same laws as all the rest of us. The notion of them being press versus you being press in the era of the Internet isn't really a separation that courts could adhere to. If you have a Facebook account, and you you know you're basically press too now. Anybody can publish. Anybody can be press. It's probably why everyone in the press is so insecure these days. But they publish classified information and are not punished for it. Assange is not even a U.S. citizen, and now they're claiming that he uh, now clearly that they're going to try to prosecute him under violation of our Espionage Act laws which is going to be very interesting because why is why would he go to prison but the New York Times could publish classified information because they're journalists? He says he's a journalist. Is he a dirtbag? Can he be trusted? Yes, he's a dirtbag. No, he can't be trusted. But is what he does in some ways journalistic? I mean, you could say he's a non-state intelligence uh, you know, actor, you know, kind of a non-state hostile intelligence agency. I know people call them that. And there's certainly truth to that, the way that he operates. But what's the principle here? Is publishing classified illegal or not? If it's not illegal for the New York Times, I don't know how it's illegal for Julian Assange, other than people don't like him. Oh, and that's right. Here's why the journalists are not going to close ranks around Assange. Because they're perfectly happy with him during, uh, you know, they're perfectly happy with him when he was publishing stuff that they like to see in the public, right? when he published all that stuff about the, uh, the, the, the Chelsea Manning releases, uh, all that diplomatic and military classified cable traffic, they were fine with that. They were defending that as radical transparency. They made a movie, an award-winning movie about 
about him and about what he did. I mean, they've made movies about this. But then there was the whole thing about the emails from Podesta and the DNC. Then there was the whole problem of, oh, wait a second. You mean to say that he's hurting a Democrat? That became unacceptable. That is why the press will not close ranks around him. And when you look at how this plays out now, just remember that they would rush to Assange's defense in the American media, I think, except for the fact that they blame him in part for Hillary losing. That is his great sin. Not espionage. The press could care less about espionage. They do it themselves. Every time you sign in online, there's the possibility that some bad actor is going to try to get your information. But, you know, there are companies that are constantly trying to buy the information that you put online via the social media platforms you use, the uh, Google search engine you use. All those things can be liabilities for you. Well, I'm telling you, you can take back your security online. Take back your privacy from hackers, spies, and thieves. Use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN has easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of my computer, phone, and tablet. It takes one click to do. It costs less than $7 a month. ExpressVPN is what you need to take back your online privacy. Protect your online activity today. Find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash buck. That's expressvpn.com slash buck for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash buck to learn more. The results were in progress when I came out and made a statement. The results were being uploaded as I came out to speak to you. According to what uh, we were told from the Division of Election, our completion was 3.02, and it should have been 3 o'clock on the button. There you have Brenda Snipes, now famous or perhaps infamous for uh, election incompetence at a minimum, perhaps election malfeasance and, and even some, some worse stuff than that. What the heck is going on at this point in the Florida election you know, with Broward County and with a Senate seat and a governorship hanging in the balance. And also what's going on with Stacey Abrams, the governor's race in Georgia. we got somebody who's all over this, going to walk us through all the nitty-gritty so we actually know what the heck is going on. Phil Kirpin is with us. He is the president of American Commitment. Phil, happy Friday, man. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure, Buck. Thanks for having me. All right, let, let, let's, start with, let's start with Florida because just tell people what, what has happened in the last few days in this Florida election that we need to know about? Well, um, on election night, it looked like Republicans had swept all of the statewide races, uh, not by a lot, but by a relatively comfortable amount. And so it was something like 80-something thousand votes in the governor's race, 50-something thousand in the Senate race, and I think it was 20 or 30,000 in the agriculture commissioner race. And uh, what happened in several days after the election, two counties, Broward County and Palm Beach County, just kept counting, and they kept counting and kept counting for two or three days. Uh, I think it was three days after the election. They just kept posting 
posting more and more ballots, and they wouldn't say how many they had left to count. They wouldn't say where they were coming from. They didn't have uh, – they, they weren't complying with any of the transparency requirements of the law or the requirement of Florida law that said that all of the mail ballots had to be posted by within half an hour of the polls closing on Election Day. And some of they just come, kept, kept coming and coming, and those margins got smaller and smaller and smaller. Uh, Governor Scott, uh, who's a candidate in the U.S. Senate race, Rick Scott, got a court order requiring those counties to comply with the transparency rules uh, of the laws in Florida. So they would have to post the numbers of outstanding ballots they had left, uh, the number that had come in after the deadline, all that kind of stuff. And magically, as soon as he got that order, they said, okay, now we're done counting. So then they, uh, then they didn't have uh, any more ballots uh, appearing after the uh, transparency order was issued. Um, but we had pretty much closer margins at that point. So, you know, at that point, uh, the governor race was down to 30-something votes. I think the uh, Senate race was around 13 or 14,000. And the Agriculture Commissioner race has actually flipped. So the Democrat is now ahead by four or 5,000 votes in the Agriculture Commissioner race. And we went... Um, you know, the Nelson people, uh, the, the Senator Bill Nelson people hired Mark Elias, the famous uh, Perkins Coy attorney who has stolen a number of races in the past and recounts the famous Minnesota Al Franken race. The, uh, the right, That was straight up race. stolen, by the way. Right. I mean, I, I, when I when I read about that, I'm like Al Franken, who, by the way, was the 60th vote for Obamacare, did not win that election. <laughs> Oh, no, he definitely did not win. I, but, you know, they, they, this Mark Elias, the, the difference there is it was, you know, I think it was three or 400 votes that Norm right. was ahead going into the recount, and Elias worked his magic. But uh, the, the other one, the more famed, the most, the, uh, most outrageous one of Mark Elias's greatest hits was probably the uh, Washington State gubernatorial race. I don't remember the exact year, but it was between uh, Dino Rossi and Christine Gregoire. And uh, Rossi won, like, the initial count. He won the first recount. He won the second recount. In, like, the third recount, they discovered enough votes somewhere out of Seattle, King County, to change the outcome. And uh, the Democrat won. Uh, so, so, you know, the Democrats brought in the master, the recount master. He's filed, like, a million lawsuits all over the place. Uh, only one of those lawsuits really has been successful. They did extend the cure deadline. Uh, for provisional ballots, if you uh, voted provisional and your signature doesn't match or there's some other problem with it, uh, that was supposed to be resolved by the day before the election. A judge has now said they have to this coming Saturday. So I'm so de sure Democrats are going wild now, trying to get as many of those as possible. And uh, we've, we've found out that part of the Democrats' strategy, and this story was actually broken by the Naples Daily News yesterday, the Democrats uh, actually created phony cure forms for the for mail-in ballots, which is a much, much larger pool of ballots uh, than the provisionals. Uh, they created phony forms with a fake deadline that they made up. Uh, mail-in ballots had to be cured uh, before the election. They created a phony form saying uh, that they could be cured after the election, and they were going out and trying to get people to cure their defective mail ballots in the hopes that they would then find a judge who would extend that deadline, and they would already have done all the work, whereas Republicans wouldn't then not have nearly as much time to catch up. And I don't think that's going to happen now because the scheme has been reported. Uh, Naples Daily News broke the story, uh, and Florida election officials have actually referred that to federal prosecutors for investigation. So we could actually see a federal criminal investigation around the, uh, the fake forms that they were trying to use to get mail-in ballots cured in the hopes of getting a judge to let, then let those in. Um, however, it looks like, notwithstanding these various Democratic efforts, uh, the, the governor's race and the Senate race should both go to Republicans. Uh, the machine recounts 
have been completed. They were doing the hand recounts today. It looks like those are only going to shift numbers, you know, by the hundreds, not by the thousands. Uh, we're still waiting on the overseas absentees and military absentees. Those are going to be finalized, and I think tomorrow. Uh, so we'll get final counts on Sunday is when it's going to be certified. And I do think that the Senate and the uh, governor's race are both going to go to the Republicans. But I think, you know, the, the big loser in all this is uh, Matt Caldwell, the Republican candidate for agriculture commissioner, who I'm pretty sure should have won. Um, he stands to be a loser right now uh, because when they were farming those votes in Broward uh, in secret for a few days, um, that flipped the outcome of that race before they were able to put a stop to it. And he actually has an ongoing lawsuit uh, in state court in Broward County. It's uh, Caldwell versus Snipes, a former Senator George Lemieux is his lawyer in that case, and and they say I watched I watched some of the video of this case uh, from yesterday. They say they've already identified over six thousand ballots that Broward counted that were not received until after the deadline. So I don't know if they're actually going to be able to prove that. Uh, you know, I don't know how they would prove that. Yeah, I mean, only for a Phil, Phil, analysis. can I just? I, I mean, this is all this is all really important and, and relevant information. I, I just want to jump in to ask you, you know, at, at what point? is incompetence fraud and at what point is fraud cheating i mean you know have we seen any places here with all this stuff in florida where it's clearly gone from one to the other because it sounds like everyone's like yeah elections are complicated well it seems like there's more than just that going on well the scheme the scheme that involved uh doctored state forms that changed the deadline as to when people could file a cure on a defective mail-in ballot uh, that, I believe, is pretty clearly criminal. And, you know, they weren't able to actually implement that scheme, probably because they got sort of busted before they did. And, you know, how are they going to find a judge to let them get those ballots in after the stories everywhere of what they were trying? So I don't think they're going to succeed in that scheme. But what they were trying to do with that was clearly criminal, and you know they are under federal investigation now for that. Um, some of this other stuff, you know, if Broward really did count ballots that arrived after the deadline, well, you know, that's a pretty severe violation. We'll see if that can be proven or not. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's a hard question. You know, the president of the United States said he doesn't think Brenda Snipes is incompetent. He thinks she's highly competent at cheating. Well. I don't know. She seems pretty incompetent to me, to be honest. I mean, she she's she's pretty corrupt too, but she also seems to be pretty incompetent. So it's hard to say. You know, when they did the whole recount in Broward and found that it actually helped Rick Scott that he was supposed to gain 779 votes for it, and then they said, "Oh, oops, we didn't submit it on time. We missed the deadline by two minutes." To me, it's pretty hard to believe that that was an accident. You know, I, I it, you just assume if that'd been the other way around, if a Republican county did a recount that helped the Democrat, and then and they said, oh, I'm sorry, we clicked send two minutes too late. No one would believe it. The media would report it as a, as a, as a scam and a trick. And, you know, when the Democrats do it, you look at all these headlines and it's like, you know, oopsie, Broward does it again. They failed yeah. to send a, it. A know. lot of whoopsies that go in one direction. Right. That's what I keep right. saying. I think Democrats, honestly, Phil, they just need to throw one of these so it doesn't look like every time this is what happens. You know, they, they need to just have one where the Republican, with all their shenanigans, actually comes out ahead uh, because I think since 2000, there have only there have been three elections that have been changed via recounts, and they've all gone to Democrats. Of course, in 2000, thanks to the Supreme Court, one for Republican. Can, can we ask you also about what's going on? We're speaking to Phil Kirpin, president of American Commitment. Phil, Georgia, another place where it's it seems to me that, and I I get I get you know just, I'm up in my eyeballs and reading about this stuff. I'm like, oh, can we just make this end? It seems Stacey Abrams' whole plan is I'm just not going to stop suing. I'm just not going to concede. 
Well, it's actually even past that because um, you know they've got certified results now. Every single county in the state has certified their results. Uh, she lost by over 54,000 votes. So, I mean, it was close, but it wasn't particularly close. I mean, can you imagine if everybody who lost by 50,000 votes or less tried to contest the election and claim they didn't lose? I mean, that's a, that's that's an awful lot of votes. Yeah, that's a real margin. That's that's real people voting against you. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so, you know, I don't know, the AP, AP, the Associated Press is still saying they, they will not call the winner yet in Georgia, even though every single county certified the results. And they ran an exclusive today about her, her uh, litigation plan to demand a new election because this one was supposedly so marred by voter suppression or what have you. I mean, it's, it's really bizarre, you know, because they had record black turnout everywhere in Georgia. I mean, her, her strategy of registering more Democratic voters than anyone's ever seen and pumping turnout through the roof by sort of bashing Brian Kemp and saying he was trying to suppress them. You know, it worked. The threat, you know, scaring people about suppression worked. They had massive turnout. So I don't know how you turn around after you get your massive turnout and say, actually, everything we were saying about suppression was true, and now we're going to call for a new election, which is what she's trying to do. By the way, what do you, what do you assess as to whether there was you know, what, what, was Kemp actually kind of playing a little fast and loose, or was he just letter of the law on the suppression stuff? Well, I mean, the, the, the big thing that the national media made a story about was this exact match provision of Georgia law that said that if you didn't have an exact match between uh, your, the information they had on file uh, and your voter registration, then you went into a, a special list, you had to vote provisional. Um, or you could bring an ID, and if your ID matched what they had, then you'd be able to vote a regular ballot. And so, you know, I, I don't, you know, if people have a problem with that, it's not really a problem with him because that was the Georgia law. I mean, you have a problem with the legislature that passed that law, but a lot of this stuff, the states are sort of forced to do by federal law because of the Help America Vote Act that was put in, you know, after the the, the Bush v. Gore stuff. There are a lot of these rules that are federal, and and I kind of question also. I this is a little bit strange to me. The federal judges in both Florida and Georgia required uh, pr- required ballots to be counted even if the birth date on the ballot did not match the birth date on file. And I kind of wonder how common it is for you know states to have the wrong birth date on file for people because I can't imagine someone actually writing their birthday wrong. I mean, everyone knows their own birthday, so a real voter's not going to write their birthday wrong. Um, I kind of need to learn a little more about why they think uh, that that you know why the judges keep finding that that you know it's unreasonable to have a to require a birthday match. But uh, I I think that I think that there was I think that there was nothing particularly egregious or out of the ordinary in Georgia. It it was probably a bad decision by Brian Kemp not to resign as Secretary of State before the election so that there wouldn't be the appearance that he's overseeing the same election that he's running in. Uh, you know, the Democrats, I think, got a lot of, uh, you know, they, they, they made a lot of noise on that point, And it sort of makes sense to say, look, if you're running for the high, you know, high yeah, even I was saying on TV, I was like, yeah, it doesn't look, it doesn't look good, whether it's right or not. Exactly. It doesn't, exactly. the Who optics are bad. That? You know, I mean, and then right after the election, he resigns and he says, okay, now you or someone else can count the votes. I don't know. I, I, I don't think he did himself any favors. I mean, Georgia is not a state where, you know, 50,000 votes that we're saying it's not that small a margin, but it's like, you know, it's like 1% basically, you know, Georgia, it's like one and one and a half percent basically that he won by Georgia. But by the way, is she, is she actually going to lose? We got to go into a break here in a second, Phil, but is she, is she actually pretty much done in your opinion? Abrams, is she going to lose? Yeah, it's over. I mean, it's, it's certified and she lost. It's uh, just a matter of, she might have some, you know, 
legal theory about something, but it, it, it will not succeed. I think more than anything, they're trying to keep Democrats stoked and fired up because they have a runoff in the Secretary of State race, and they really want to elect a Democrat to that. All right. Phil Kirpin, president of American Commitment. Phil, great information on this, man. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. All right. Have a good one. Zane, we got more coming up. Uh, Stay with us. Background checks are a necessary part of the hiring process. And if you want to make sure that the people doing your background checks are not only the best in the business, but also all based here in the States, all American made and operated, that's Global Verification Network, okay? Global Verification Network is the only dual-certified and veteran-owned background investigation and vetting company out there. So whatever size company you run or are working with right now, small company all the way up to a Fortune 100, call Global Verification and say, look, I want to set up with you to be my background investigator. It's not hard to do. and You'll be so happy you did. Call 877-695-1179. That's 877-695-1179. Tell Global Verification that Buck Sexton sent you. So they'll know you're part of Team Buck. Or if you want to just do this online, mygvn.com. Again, mygvn.com. You almost couldn't make it up if you were writing a novel. Uh, this is the second time that Broward County has been a total disaster. And uh, every time you turn around, there's something weird going on. I mean, how do you I almost feel sad for him. How do you miss a deadline by two minutes? I mean, you know, you miss it by two hours or five hours, but two minutes. So the whole thing is a fiasco. In those three counties, there's just consistently a mess. And I hope that the new governor and the new attorney general are going to take steps along with the secretary of state to clean it up before the presidential election in 2020. There's been so many egregious acts out of Broward County. I wanted to be here for the hand recount today. It's going well today, but we've had to bring in tons of attorneys and be here to make sure that we could oversee this process, that it was done fairly. It's not just that Democrats have done things in Florida and in Georgia that are unseemly. It's not just that Democrats have taken actions that are in violation in Florida and violation of state law. Uh, when I say violation of law, right, it doesn't it's not a criminal statute necessarily, but they've they have not done what they're supposed to do. There, there's you know, the government has or rather the uh, election uh, body such as it is in Broward County has failed its responsibilities. But you have to remember that they also would be OK with cheating. And I don't I don't say that just to get a rise out of people. I don't say that. they don't care. And and there's a very important reason for that. They have told themselves this is why their narratives matter so much. They've told themselves that the 2016 election was stolen. So if you really believe the 2016 election was stolen, would you mind? I mean, how many Democrats that, you know, would be really upset if they found out that there was actual active cheating going on in Florida to try to give, you know, Gillum the governor's mansion and try to give the uh, that that Senate seat to Nelson over DeSantis. I mean, how many people are over um, Scott? How many people do you think that, you know, that are Democrats would be really would be upset if they found out there was cheating and, and that the cheating helped the Democrat win? I know very few Democrats. You know why? Because they think it's evening the score. This is why these 
lingering delusions that Democrats have about things like the 2016 election was stolen, the, oh, the 2000 election was stolen. They think two presidential elections were stolen. Well, if you're operating in that world, if, if that is your mentality, as it is for mainstream Democrats across the country, not all of them, but a lot of them, I mean, to say the 2016, if you walk into a room full of Democrats and say Trump stole the 2016 election, I promise you not a single person in there will say, that's just, that's terrible, you can't say that. In fact, I'd guess about 90% of them would shake their heads, oh yeah, he stole it. And if you watch the HBO movie, you know, recount from the 2000 election, Somehow the Democrats, who were clearly trying to cheat, were the good guys. And that's what people really believe. The Supreme Court handed Bush that election. That's what they believe. Every recount that was done, Bush won. But somehow, Bush was the bad guy. This is why their their lore, really, Democrat mythology, is so important. Because it creates an environment where you know they feel pretty okay with cheating. They feel like it, they feel like it's justice. You know, you could almost feel you could almost call what the Democrats are doing at these elections redistributive electoral justice. You know, you guys cheated in 2016 and 2000. You guys, meaning the Republicans, we gotta cheat a little bit now. You know, we got we gotta we gotta spread the cheating around. That's the, that's how they view this. I'm telling you. Ah, yes, the caravan, the border, border security, immigration. These are all things that we continue to talk about because we do not have resolution here, my friends. None of these problems have been solved, and in fact, I think they are getting worse. We are joined now by an expert in these matters, Mark Krikorian. He's the executive director of the Center for Immigration Studies. Mark, great to have you back on the program. Glad to be here. Thanks. All right, let, for, first let's talk caravans because I was here in – you know, right after the election last week and beginning of this week, oh, no one talks about the caravan anymore. And then, whoa, all of a sudden, the caravan, at least part of the caravan, is at the border. Uh, should we expect that that a good contingent of the several thousand or so that were part of that initial caravan will get to the border? And, oh, by the way, aren't people showing up at the border illegally every day anyway? Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, there's two questions there, and the answer is both yes. A substantial portion of the people in that caravan are going to make it to the border. Some of them won't. Some of them will just stay in uh, Mexico. and It has an asylum system, and they may figure, okay, that's just easier. Some of them have given up and gone home. But the last caravan, the one in the spring that was smaller than this, but was the first one that really got attention, that started out of 1,500 people, and 500 of them made it to the border. So if you figure this caravan was, you know, 7,000, if it's something similar the you know the share that get here you know could be 2000 2500 or something like that i mean we don't know but yeah a substantial number are going to make it to the california border and the issue here about about asylum and asylum seekers nothing has really changed here i mean the administration has said and jeff sessions at doj has pushed that you you can't you can't just be fleeing domestic violence right i mean there are some things now that they're saying all right well you're you, you, that's not a valid asylum claim, but they're being told. I mean, I had a friend on uh, a few days ago who was down with the caravan, and he says they're organizers, and there are essentially workshops where these people are being told, this is what you say to get into the country. I mean, it, how is this not an obvious scam at this point, Mark? I mean, what's the argument in favor of just letting anybody 
who claims to be from Central America, claims to be fleeing violence, to jump the asylum process. Yeah, of course it's a scam. I mean, they're using asylum as a kind of ruse, a trick to get into the United States, because once they get past the Border Patrol, um, they're basically home free. Uh, because what they do is, uh, it's not so much that they're sneaking across the border and then asking for asylum. Some people do that, but the large bulk of people who do this just wait in line at the inspection points. You know, the port of entry is the technical term for it. When they get to the head of the line, there's our immigration inspector. And they say, you know, I fear going back to my home country, or I, um, I have fear persecution in my home country. Again, like you said, they're coached on this. They have seminars on what are the things they're supposed to say, what not to say. And then they have an initial interview, and the law requires this. This is one of the problems. Uh, it's called a credible fear interview. And what that basically means is they, uh, you know, I mean, the only way you fail that is if you say, you know, Mickey Mouse is communicating through my dental work, you know, that sort of thing. Any other plausible story you can make up, you pass that first hurdle. And that doesn't mean you apply for asylum. It means they let you into the country. They give you, uh, you know, a court date. And then they drop you off at the bus station. Uh, sometimes they give you a goodie bag uh, and then let you go. Half of those people who are let go with the understanding that they will apply for asylum, half of them never even bother to apply. The whole thing was a scam, and they know it's a scam. The other half, also it's a scam for most of them because very few of them get asylum, but they'll go to a few hearings in order to actually get a work permit because if your asylum claim stretches out more than six months, you get a work permit and a social security number. And then after that, you cannot show up anymore. You know, it's that. I mean, it's just the whole thing is absurd. So it's scams. These are scams. I mean, I, I you know, yeah. these are straight up scams and everybody listening, I think, knows that. And it's never talked about this way. It's always, oh, there are asylum seekers in, in most of the media. But as you know, as I know, these are scams. Uh, how do we fix this, though, Mark? I mean, how does this get changed in a way that matters? Unfortunately, Chuck Schumer is the only way it's going to get changed. What I, by which I mean Congress has to act. And the uh, Republicans have uh, introduced a number of measures that would plug some of these loopholes. The problem is the Democrats won't vote for them. And starting in January, when they, have one, when they also have the House, they're simply not going to, there's literally not going to be any possibility of keeping an effectively unlimited number of uh, Central Americans from coming into the country. I mean, the Democrats refuse to take the steps necessary to plug these loopholes. I, I've been saying to some of the Democrats that I debate on this, Mark, that under the standard, and, and I, I've spoken to both the current and former ICE director and, and Border Patrol uh, director about this issue, and I, I didn't get to ask them this, but I've been, I've been putting this out there. I wanted your take. Under the current standard, if they say the right things, all seven or so million Hondurans can get asylum. Basically, or not so much. They may not get asylum in the... No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They could show up and claim asylum and get in the country is what I meant to say. Yeah, probably. You know, I mean, uh, you know, nothing's ever perfect. Maybe there'll only be 90%, but I mean, it's absurd. You know, it really is a completely ridiculous situation. The whole asylum system was never designed 
for this kind of assault. And, you know, this is, this really is, um, it's not just Congress's fault, but it is the Obama administration's fault as well. They basically got this going. They sort of primed the pump by um, letting people uh, who were, you know, Central Americans, especially if they had kids with them, or if they were kids smuggled on their own up here, uh, they let them in, no questions asked, really. And that, the word got back. I mean, you know, travels on the grapevine. In fact, even back in 2014, I sent one of my um, team down there, guy speaks Spanish, you were a journalist, a Pulitzer Prize winner, in fact, has lived in Mexico. He was talking to people at the McAllen, Texas bus station, which is where the Border Patrol drops a lot of these people off if they cross in that area. And the woman from Guatemala with her kids, she, she came with a friend who brought her kids. They said, yeah, we were back in Guatemala and we, were, uh, we saw it on CNN that if you brought your kid, they'd let you go. And then we heard that somebody in our town did it, and they got and they did it. They got away with it, and so we figured uh, it was worth a try. So that's why we're here. Wow, Mark, I gotta ask you. We're speaking to Mark Corian, executive director of the Center for Immigration Studies. How has the Trump administration really done on the border? Because this was a, a, a lot of promises. Obviously, the wall, probably the most uh, notable one in terms of what people remember, what was chanted, but. It feels, look, it feels like very little of substance has been done, but maybe I'm just being cynical. You tell me. There's a lot, there have been a lot of small improvements, even some big improvements in the sense that ICE and Border Patrol now are allowed to do their jobs uh, in a way that they really weren't under Obama or they had to apologize for it and look over their shoulder. But the real challenge now at the border is not something the wall could fix, even if Congress gave the president money for it. The problem is this asylum issue. And the president can't really fix that. There are some things he can try to do to tighten it up. They've done some stuff. There's really not that much more they can do. And the president, rather than boasting that, you know, these people will not be allowed in, you know, I'll make sure that the caravan doesn't get in, he needed to be saying from day one, I'm going to, I don't really have the power to keep these people out. You need to call Chuck Schumer. The Senate Democrats have filibustered the changes necessary, and it's their fault. And every single one of these people getting in is getting in because of Chuck Schumer. And he should be down there every day, uh, you know, hammering Congress to do something about this because they cannot be let off the hook. This is their responsibility and their fault. And the president by saying, you know, I'll be able to stop this, is giving people the impression that he has the authority to stop it. And then they're going to be disappointed when he can't. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Well, look, Mark, thank you for all your work on this, as always. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting pretty frustrated with the state of things uh, with, the, with this uh, administration world. and the border right now, but, you know, we'll, we'll stay on it. CIS.org, right, for all the latest you guys are doing at Center for Immigration Studies? Yep, we got a blog uh, every day and all our pubs. And for people who like snark and sarcasm, I'm on Twitter at Mark S., as in Stephen, Mark S. Krikorian. All right, Mark, thanks so much. Team, we'll be right back. Are you aware of the perception of um, many about how the, the, the power and the discretion at ICE is being used to enforce the laws? And do you see any parallels? I do not see any parallels between I'm talking about perception. officers and agents. I'm talking about perception. 
I, I do not see a parallel between what is constitutionally mandated as it, as it relates to enforcing the law. Are you aware that there's a rights. perception? I see no Are you aware that there's a that perception? That puts ICE in the same category as the KKK. Is that what you're asking me? Uh, no, I'm very specific about what I'm asking you. Are you aware of a perception? Kamala Harris is deeply unimpressive to me. I mean, even as somebody that I disagree with on everything, I just, everything that she says, everything that she does, I'm like, uh, she's just, it's, she's just B team, uh, maybe even C team. And that was a complete outrage, that whole situation there. So she was, and look, she's a likely 2020 contender for the Democrats, as you know, already being talked about as, oh, Kamala Harris is going to run. She was comparing in that clip on a hearing on Capitol Hill, U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement to the Ku Klux Klan, the KKK, during that hearing. She was asking Ronald Vitiello, uh, the man that President Trump is hoping will lead ICE, whether he shares the, whether he is aware of the perception that ICE is similar to the KKK. So, I mean, this is such a slimy Democrat construction of the issue, right? This is so underhanded, so grotesque. What they're really doing is is saying, oh, well, we Democrats who, by the way, last summer were chanting about the need to abolish ICE. Abolish ICE! Abolish ICE! Remember those chants? It sounded just like that. We Democrats created that whole movement of abolish ICE because of what was going on at the border. We Democrats created this groundswell of antipathy, of of disdain, of hatred for immigration and customs enforcement uh, because it serves their political needs, right? Because, because immigration and more specifically racial agitation, because remember, whenever they're talking about immigration, they're really only talking about immigration from south of our border. I mean, they don't, Democrats don't spend a lot of time on immigration from the rest of the world. They're really just concerned with immigration from south of the border, and they view any effort to make that immigration orderly and legal as racist. That's what they're always saying. It, it's about the, quote, you know, it, it's about the, quote, administration, the Trump administration's not liking brown people, right? That's what they always say. And Trump supporters not liking brown people, which is just a, a, a hideous slur. But that is what they do. That's that's the, the storyline. But Kamala Harris here is asking him. So basically, we've we've created this. Have you heard this rumor? That ICE is as bad as the KKK, the KKK, which was responsible, as you know, for horrific lynching and mutilation of black Americans. Also, people always forget KKK was very anti-Semitic, anti-Jewish, attacked Jews, very anti-Catholic as well, but primarily and predominantly opposed to and viciously targeted African-Americans. Oh, by the way, they're Democrats, right? The KKK were Democrats. That always gets left out of this conversation somehow. Wait, who, who, what was the party of the KKK? Oh, that's right, Democrats. What was the party of, uh, of slavery in the South? Oh, that's right, Democrats. What was the party of segregation and Jim Crow? Oh, my gosh, who could have guessed? Democrats. And now they're, now they're the, the heroes of, of, the, uh, of the story when it comes to minority rights, at least in their own telling of it. It's an amazing, it's an amazing turnabout, isn't it? But that's, that is where we are now. 
Um, I, I would just note that what Kamala Harris does here is is similar to say it's similar to if you were the person in high school that was responsible for spreading a rumor, and then you went up to the and it was a really terrible, nasty rumor that was meant to you know hurt someone's reputation, and uh, and then you went up to them and were just like, well, I just want to know, do you know about that rumor? Do you know about that? That's basically what Kamala Harris is doing. Do you know about the perception created by Democrats that ICE operates in a way similar to the KKK? By the way, this is a stupid thing to say. Anyone who, let me just go on record for that. Anyone who believes that immigration and customs enforcement is similar to a racist uh, paramilitary organization that was ascendant predominantly around the, what, the 19, uh, 1920s into the 1930s, 40s, 50s, uh, Anyone who believes that, though, that the KKK is in any way similar to ICE is a moron. Is a moron. You know that there's a large percentage of of veterans who work for ICE. I think it's about 25% of ICE employees are actually veterans. So that, that doesn't get brought up enough because they're trashing. Democrats are actually trashing veterans who are now serving their country in another way. Um. So that that's one part of this. And then also, yeah, there's ICE has a, a diverse makeup and there are a lot of people in ICE who are of uh, Latino or other minority extraction themselves. Right. So th- this idea that the, the, the KKK, though, I mean, this is a stupid point. But Kamala Harris uh, pushes it because trashing ICE is good politics for Democrats. But. And it's worth taking a step back from it. What does that say about the Democratic Party? That a, a completely legitimate and necessary law enforcement agency is something they're willing to they're willing to throw in the bus. Meanwhile, the FBI, which did at the top level engage in a complete abuse of power to try to stop Trump from being president, the whole and, and, the, and the CIA, my former agency, right? The, that group of international nerds, uh, you know, they, they they did stuff that was egregious and the, and the democrats was go oh my gosh they're serving our country the fbi and cia how dare you only now i mean they, they'll trash the fbi and cia at the first sign and that's the thing with democrats whether they're talking about ice or anything else they have no consistent principles they only like law enforcement when it suits them they trash law enforcement when it doesn't and senator harris is just a perfect example of this You've probably heard me talk about Snippy.com a little bit, which is a new social media site. Well, if you've looked at Snippy.com and left, I'm telling you, you've got to go back and look again. Thousands of my listeners have joined Snippy.com, and now they're expressing their opinions and stirring up lively conversations. Snippy is an unbiased social media platform that's all about conversation and community. Snippy not only encourages freedom of expression, but guarantees its users the ability to discuss topics freely without suppression from administrators. Snippy is a place where everyone is free to express their thoughts and share their opinions. It is totally free to join, open to everyone. And unlike Facebook, they're not hiring oppo firms to check out what's going on with senators and trying to smear their rivals these days, folks. So trust me, Snippy.com is a place you should check out. Let your opinion matter. No shadow banning, no suppression of conservative thought ever. Now with an updated user interface and exciting new features, also available in the Apple App Store and available for Android. Snippy, your new alternative social media. is agitated about what you might be receiving the Mueller investigation. No, I'm not agitated. It's a hoax. The whole thing is a hoax. There was no collusion. 
But did anything trigger that set of tweets? No, not at all. No, I'm very happy. I'm very happy with the White House. I'm extremely happy with our country. We're doing better on the economy. Maybe it's the best economy we've ever had. They may be the best unemployment numbers and employment numbers that we've ever had. There are more people working in the United States right now at this moment than have ever worked in the United States by, by far, by far. I'm extremely happy. I'm very happy with almost all of my cabinet. And, you know, changes are made because they're always made, especially after midterms. But it's all fake news. Uh, it's all fake news, folks. This whole Mueller probe thing is garbage. Absolute garbage. And, and the journalists, the people who have been pushing this uh, so hard, they should honestly be embarrassed. Uh, they should they should receive a real repudiation from the general public for their work on this issue. But they won't because the Mueller probe all along has been about one thing and one thing only. Just hashtag resistance. Stop Trump. Hurt Trump. Many, many powerful people uh, have decided that this was the this was the path to do it. And the whole thing is just it's just hurt the country, by the way. We've learned uh, these people who talk about, oh, it's about election security and stopping the Russians. We, that that was all that was all nonsense. We're not stopping the we can't stop the Russians from doing that on Facebook. By the way, do you trust Facebook now? Oh yeah, we're gonna trust Facebook to be the ones that are policing this stuff. Good luck with that. I think I think uh, with the news of the day, news for this week, we're all a little more aware of. Oh, maybe Facebook operates like a very self-interested private corporation with way too much power, and it's not just some like, oh, gee, like we're just a Silicon Valley company started by some college kids that you know it's just been so successful. It's not that simple. It's not that simple at all. In fact, Facebook has a tremendous amount of power as a media platform. It is not a utility. It does not act like a utility. It does not see itself as a utility. We all have to remember that. Um, you know, Trump was was going after them a little bit on Twitter, which I uh, I can appreciate. I was well, this was yesterday when I was in I was in Springfield, but I saw these tweets. Uh, here's what he wrote: The inner workings of the Mueller investigation are a total mess. They have found no collusion and have gone absolutely nuts. They're screaming and shouting at people, horribly threatening them to come up with answers they want. They are a disgrace to our nation and don't care how many lives they ruin. This is from Trump himself, folks. These are angry people, including the highly conflicted Bob Mueller, who worked for Obama for eight years. They won't even look at all the bad acts and crimes on the other side. A total witch hunt like no other in American history. All caps on those. Universities will someday study what highly conflicted and not Senate-approved Bob Mueller and his gang of Democrat thugs have done to destroy people, why is he protecting crooked Hillary, Comey, McCabe, Lisa Page, and her lover Peter Strzok, and all of his friends on the other side? The only collusion is that of the Democrats and many others. Why didn't the FBI take the server from the DNC? They still don't have it. Check out how biased Facebook, Google, and Twitter are in favor of the Democrats. That's the real collusion. You know, the president, I, I like when he lets it rip like this. I like when he decides that, you know, it's it's time to take the gloves off a little bit and and let people know what's what's really going on, what what's really on his mind, too. And I know he does it on a regular basis. I'm just saying I like it. I like it. Meanwhile, you got, uh, you know, on the on the other side, Schumer, truck Schumer. 
he's out there and he's saying that they, they should pass legislation. You want to talk about a constitutional crisis. Now the Congress thinks they get to dictate what the executive branch does within its discretion. Play, play the Schumer clip, please. We should pass legislation now in the lame duck to protect the special counsel's investigation from the president and from his woefully unqualified henchman, Mr. Whitaker. Woefully unqualified. This guy has been DOJ uh, Attorney General Chief of Staff, has been a U.S. attorney for a state, and he's woefully unqualified. Huh? I mean, Democrats, they just make it all up as they go along. It doesn't really matter. They'll just say what... They'll say whatever they have to say in the moment to get the intended political effect, the intended impact on their base, for their base. That's that's the game that they play. That's what they are up to. And it, the, the whole thing is is absolutely preposterous. But you got these questions. And so this is the big looming thing right now. You have these questions that originally they thought maybe Mueller was going to try and force the president under, or essentially force the president into a perjury trap. And that was the idea. That's been the idea all along. And now we've got written answers coming along. And Trump got a, quite a bit of attention because he spoke about, this is, when, when he's asked about the written answers that he's going to give to the Mueller probe, here is what the president says. Play clip nine. My lawyers aren't working on that. I'm working on that. I write the answers. My lawyers don't write answers. I write answers. Uh, I was asked a series of questions. I've answered them very easily. Very easily. I'm sure they're tricked up because, you know, they like to catch people. Gee, you know, was the weather sunny or was it rainy? He said it may have been a good day. It was rainy. Therefore, he told a lie. He perjured himself. Okay, so uh, you have to always be careful when you answer questions with people that probably have bad intentions. But um, no, it's uh, the the questions were very routinely answered by me, by me. To the special counsel, yeah. And you you submitted the the answers. I haven't submitted them yet. We just I just finished them. As you know, I've been a little bit busy. He has been a little bit busy. The president tends to be busy. Uh, but they're they're making a big deal of this too with the the questions. Uh, they're they're saying that you know he's, you know he's lying about answering the questions. I mean they they just can't they just can't let it go, my friends. They they won't they won't let it go. Uh, they they're very disappointed by the, the press corps. Ever, they're very disappointed that Mueller's not forcing a real constitutional crisis and a showdown by sitting down with the president and trying to get him in a perjury trap because that's the only way they're going to get him. I, I repeat, I know I've said this to you so many times, but it's, Russian collusion is a dumb idea, even if somebody was willing to do it. It's not even a smart plan. Never mind all the risks and all the stuff that comes. It's not even something that... I, it, Russian collusion was such a threat to our election integrity that while this so-called collusion was going on, the people were looking at it, everybody was assuming Hillary was going to win. <laughs> That's... It was only a problem when she lost. Don't lose sight of that. This was this was a nothing burger, and they knew it was a nothing burger until Hillary lost. You see the same mentality in Florida. You see the same mentality in Georgia. They can't accept reality. There's always an excuse for why they didn't get their way. Always an excuse for why they didn't win. Every single time. So... That's what's going on with this Mueller probe. I hope it ends soon. I hope it ends before Christmas, but I think it's going to extend pretty deep into next year. 
it's just a shame. It's a shame. But the good thing is Trump's a brawler, and he's going to come out on top of this when you watch. It's so easy for hackers to get your information. All it takes is one little slip up on your end, my friend. They get all your stuff. If you're using public Wi-Fi, who knows what the security protocols are in place. And never mind if you travel a lot. You really want to be protected because you've got important financial information, personal information, all that going over your phone, your laptop. Use ExpressVPN. A VPN is a virtual private network. Think of this like a security system for your computer or smartphone. And ExpressVPN is the best in the business. If you want to keep hackers and spies from seeing your data, you need ExpressVPN. So protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash buck. That's expressvpn.com slash buck for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash buck to learn more. Team, one of the trends that I've noticed particularly in the last couple of years, is that the stuff that we used to say during the Obama era, uh, early on in the Obama era, the stuff that we used to bring up as, this is what they want to do, this is where this is going, we always end up being right. And they say, oh, no, no, the, the left, the Democrats, they claim, that's a straw man, that's not a real thing, they're not going to, we would never do that. And then you fast forward a couple of years, maybe three, four years, and all of a sudden, oh, yeah, no, they want to do that thing. That thing that we use to illustrate how statist or authoritarian or destructive their argument is, that that thing that we're all concerned, they want to do that thing. And then we're supposed to pretend like we didn't see this coming and that we don't believe that we can tell the next step Right, because it's one when, when you keep getting it right. Because remember, it's not really so much about predicting the future as about assessing the trajectory. That's a different thing. You know, if I see a car that's driving down the road and I say, "Well, you know, I think that car is going to be approximate. If it's going sixty miles an hour, it's going to be a mile ahead in one minute." You know, I, I'm just taking a pretty good educated guess on how things are going. And the same thing's true of progressives. You can't tell everything they're going to do, and we can't tell the future in general, but you know the overall direction something's moving. Kind of like how even the the smartest people that I know, uh, for the most part, in the stock market, they can tell you whether they think an investment will work, uh, but they generally can't tell you in exactly what time frame. That's very, very hard to do. We can tell where Democrats are going with stuff, whether it's on transgender rights, it's on healthcare. Oh, my God. It used to be... Um, that they would never push for single payer. Oh, no. Remember early 2009? That's a straw man argument. Obama didn't want single payer health care. And now, we're, now they're saying, oh, yeah, no, single payer. That's, that sounds cool. We like single payer. And many of us, myself included, in 2010 and 11 and 12, well, not 10 because I was still in the government, but 11 and 12, and we're saying this is all heading to single payer. Obamacare is not that good. There's actually some interesting new studies that show that, yes, yeah, some people benefit, but most of the people affected by Obamacare get kind of screwed by it. So it's a bad law. On balance, it's bad. Uh, but we've been saying for a while that it's heading toward a single parent. And sure enough, now that's what they're pushing for. We've been saying for a while they want to give illegals uh, not just in-state tuition and driver's licenses, which now they're doing, but also 
Obamacare access for illegal aliens, which which was a part of Hillary Clinton. So, so we can usually tell where this stuff is going. And then with transgender rights, as you know, oh, we would never we would never tell 12 year old you know girls they have to shower with a 12 year old boy in school. We would never. do. Uh, oh, no, they are doing that now. They are doing that. And you know, we would never encourage people who are minors who are still adolescents to get a, you know, sex change, uh, you know, medicine started for hormones. Oh, no, they are doing that. They, they, they in fact, do push for these things. Well, guns is another place where one of the reasons that the debate over guns breaks down so quickly, and there are many of them, um, and, and in recent years, at least the left has finally figured out that they can't just keep trying to uh, put these people forward as anti-gun spokespersons who know nothing about guns or gun laws. They're, they're just Now, they still do it sometimes. I mean, you'll see things written by uh, David Hogg, who is now an activist. He's no longer just somebody who, you know, is, is under 18 or just 18. No, he's an activist. He's held up by the media. He's part of the public discussion. He says a lot of dumb things. Uh, but you look at what's been said for a while now in these discussions. And we always say, look, the, the only way you can realistically even hold these positions, you know, an assault weapon uh, restriction, for example, is a joke. It's not going to stop anyone from doing anything. In fact, in New York, after Sandy Hook, they passed these regulations that that changed the cosmetic features of some so-called assault rifles. Now, there's assault weapon and assault rifle, and these can be different designations, and they are sometimes legally codified, so now we do have to refer to an assault weapon or an assault rifle. And, you know, it gets very, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of, detail and complications on this but what they did in new york which brings me back to uh cuomo nobody needs a thousand rounds to kill a deer no one must have a heat-seeking stinger missile to shoot quail it is not necessary for a gatling gun to be in your hands to go shoot a squirrel those that you might remember you might remember that speech um back in the day uh, but anyway, John, do you know what I'm talking about? The, the Cuomo speech about the, no, uh, maybe you were, you were with me. It was, yes, way, I it was remember. Years. Remember that? Yeah. Nobody needs a nuclear missile in order to stop. A no number one of needs 10 bullets to kill a deer. There we go. <laughs> oh man. I don't know. Maybe the deer's moving kind of fast. Maybe that deer, you know, took a little PCP beforehand. It's got a little extra oomph, you know? That, that deer's been working out. Who knows? Anyway, uh, the assault rifle restrictions they put in place in uh, New York involve changing the stock and the size of the magazine. Uh, so that does nothing. And that, that does not make it less lethal. It, it does absolutely nothing. And, and then in Connecticut, which is where Sandy Hook happened, they they they've essentially outlawed unless you register uh, uh, different assault rifles. It's really just AR AR fifteen type rifles. Um, and and I know that's not even really a thing. It's a buck. There's semi semi automatic hunting rifles that nothing like the AR. I, I know, but we can't. You know, we'll we'll go to Ammo Land and talk about this another time. Uh, but it didn't do anything to make anybody safer. We've been saying though that they're going to push for more bans because only all out bans are going to do anything, even theoretically. In reality, bans don't work either. And now here we are, the news that makes me think about uh, think about this. 
is that, um, you know, you've had people like Eric Swalwell, for example, who has proposed um, a uh, essentially just that, you know, forcing gun owners to uh, forcing gun owners to sell their firearms. Now, I, I got to tell you th- th- that was back in back in May that this first came up. That Swallow, who's running for president, by the way. Um, but th- you're going to hear more about this. You're going to hear more about the assault rifle. Uh, assault rifle bans because people are, uh, you know, people are, are focused in on guns as the enemy, guns as the bad guys, but we can always tell. So, yeah, so, so there's this, there's this bright, sorry, I, I got, I got jammed up between two different pieces. There's this Breitbart piece uh, that talks about how Eric Swalwell on, you know, on Twitter was talking about an assault weapons buyback program. This is this was in California, and you know the, the, you're you're going to hear more of this. Uh, you're going to hear more about uh, about how the left wants to ban, you know, because this is all part of what the base. But uh, I just wish we could be more honest about it. I just wish that they would just say this all the time. We just want to ban guns. Stop saying it's about background checks. You want to ban ownership of guns. Swalwell and others want to ban ownership of guns. Swalwell on Twitter, this was just, oh, this was this morning. That's what came up my feed. Joe Biggs wrote to Representative Swalwell, so Swalwell wants a war because that's what you would get. You're out of your mind if you think I'll give up my rights and give the government all the power. Swalwell responded to him, and it would be a short war, my friend. The government has nukes, too many of them, but they're legit. I'm sure if we talked, we could find common ground to protect our families and communities. And then Biggs wrote back, I don't know who this guy Biggs is, so our government would nuke its own country to take guns away? Wow. Now, to, to be fair, um, so Swalwell's the guy who back in May was pushing the assault weapons ban, and now he's it's come up once again. This is a stupid position that these people in government take. Oh, well, the government has nukes, so AR-15s don't mean anything. Nope, that's not how it works. Um, in fact, look at places around the world where the government has been unable to subdue an insurgency or subdue a rebellion, no matter what kind of firepower it has. I mean, look at the Soviets in Afghanistan. Look at us in Afghanistan. We're not willing to kill masses of civilians and destroy entire cities and villages the way the Soviets were. But, you know, it's not... If you've got an armed populace, it's a very difficult thing to control. But we're heading toward more talk of just outright bans. Because they've lost... The arguments over background checks and everything, that's just window dressing. They want to take your guns, folks. They want to take your guns. That's where this is heading. Hey, Team Buck, it's time for Roll Call. Oh, team, I missed you so. Indeed, I was out in the the home of Lincoln himself, Mr. Mr. Abraham Lincoln. Although, if you've seen the Lincoln movie with Daniel Day-Lewis, for some reason he thinks Lincoln sounds like this. I'm <laughs> like, why is his voice so weird and high? I never understood that. But anyway, uh, yeah, I was, in, I was in Springfield, Illinois. I had a very good time. Went to Maldoners, which those of you who know Springfield know what I'm talking about. It's... Probably the most most famous restaurant in Springfield. I had a burger. No bun. What's up? Oh, that reminds me. 
I started quite a a frenzy online. John, I'm going to need you to weigh in on this one. I like pickles when they're good. Some pickles are low quality, but pickles can be very tasty. I obviously love burgers. They are a gift from God to humanity when it comes to cuisine. I don't understand why people think that you should just put pickles on burgers. I think we need to just all finally come together and accept that pickles don't go with burgers as an addition on top of them. On the side, I'm fine with it. But when I get my burger, there's already pickles on it. I'm like, I don't want pickles. John, where do you weigh in on this one? I don't mind pickles on my burger, but I just realized when I get a burger with pickles on it, I'll take the pickles off and eat them first. Of course you do, John. And I did not, you're not realize. A, you're not a savage. But this is, See, this is what I'm trying to say. You brought this up, and I never realized that I was doing that until just now. Yeah. You always get rid of You're always like, oh, pickles. Okay, I'll get rid of them. Nobody really wants pickles on their burger. Some of you are saying, oh, no, Buck, I love pickles. I'm like, no. No, it's pickle propaganda. You've been lied to all these years. They force-fed you these pickles with your burger. It's like Pavlov. They've trained you. You salivate when you see the pickles on the burger, but no, you just want the burger. I got a, a, lot, a lot of intense opinions on this one that happened. A lot of intense opinions. All right. Catherine, first up in roll call. We're going to do a double roll call because I missed you all very much. Didn't get to hang out. Although, I, of course, I heard Raheem did a great job. And, yes, he has a cool accent. I'm going to have to ask him for permission to just so I can keep up. Be like, Raheem, can I do a, Can I do at least part of a show in a British accent? Just because... That would be fun for me. Raheem would be like, get out of here. What are you talking about? Crazy, man. Uh, Catherine writes, Hi, Buck. Love your show. And I got my sister hooked on your show, too. Well, Catherine, love you, too. Thank you so much. We both listen to the podcast. However, she is not happy with you right now since it appears that there's no longer the ability to download older podcasts from your website or even download podcasts onto her ancient MP3 player. It does not have iTunes. It, is not, it does not have the capability to download apps such as iHeart. Help! Unless you bring back that capability of lost as a listener, can you help us out here? John, I don't know. What's going on? Have we changed the way that we put our podcast stuff up? I don't know. Everything is the same. I don't know if the platforms have changed. Is, it a web, is the website? Did we do something on the way? I know the website's under maintenance right now, so I don't know what's going on. Yeah, it's up mm. to the platforms to allow you to download, I think. But um, oh, I, right. I'll, uh, well. I'll look into it, and I'll... Uh, I'll confer with Quinlan and see what's going on. Yeah, we got to check out with Quinn. All right, fair enough. Also known as Mike, producer Mike. Who is that? A, he's a, tonight. We gave producer Mike the day off because he's at a wedding. He's got to be there. You know, he's gonna show. He's gonna show some moves on the dance floor. You know, producer Mike, you move pretty good. Saw you on the dance floor. You move pretty good. Uh, Catherine, thank you so much for turning your sister on to this one. I promise we'll, we'll try to address this. I'll, I'll, I'll pass this to Mike and we'll send it to the people who actually understand technology and see if we can get this one fixed because every, every listener counts, every listener matters. And I want all of you listening, please, when somebody brings up podcasts, you got to be like, Do you know the Buck Sexton podcast? You've got to listen to it. I really hope that's what happens. Ryan writes, Buck. These guys are the best, livebearded.com. They have great products and tutorials, how-to videos in the whole nine yards, beard oil, butter wash, and other beard products. Wow. First of all, you guys can't see Ryan. I can. Ryan has an incredible beard. Ryan has the kind of beard where the guys from Duck Dynasty would look at him and be like, wow, look at that beard. That's a real beard. I mean, they would really respect the beard. Uh, it's a serious beard he's got. 
Um, as to whether I'm going to grow one or not, I don't know. I got I got to give it a little bit of thought. Um, depends. I don't know. You know, it would grow. First of all, it's red, so I'd have a red beard. Think about that. My my facial hair grows in red, which I think is some kind of a there's some kind of a genetic uh, trait that you can inherit red beard red beardedness. Because my hair's not, my uh, my head hair is not red. I guess what you got to call it, right? Head hair instead of my face hair. Uh, Michael, wow. Wow, Michael, send in a photo. I wish I could show this to you guys. Hey, Buck, listening to the podcast on delay, as we don't get the show on Terrestrial, I just know uh, that I know of here in Houston. I listen to the segment on facial hair. I feel that the standalone mustache is a winner. That said, only Tom can really pull off the Magnum PI. As a firefighter, we can't grow beards, so I and many of my brothers rock the handlebar. I say go for it. Michael has what Ryan had in a beard just a moment ago from the photo. Michael has with a a a rockin' mustache. I mean, this guy's mustache is he looks like one of those old posters of the shirtless guys who are boxing, you know, with kind of the, the hands put out in front of them, you know, wanna 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 be pugilists from like the nineteen twenties. He's got that kind of a mustache. It's legit. Very, very well done, Michael, I have to say. I am I am duly Duly impressed with your your facial hair prowess. Liana writes, so Acosta gets his pass back, but does President Trump have to call on him? Why doesn't he mix it up and call on a reporter two to three rows back? No, Liana, I I think you're right, and that's probably what's going to happen here. They're just not going to give Acosta the ability. They're going to have to set the rules, which I'm amazed they didn't already have rules, but apparently they don't. Uh, They're going to have to set the rules for what is acceptable decorum. And then they'll have to call on other people. And if Acosta throws a tantrum, then I think they can give him his due process and say, by the way, he wasn't even kicked out of the White House. I mean, this whole thing is such a non-story story. It really is. But, you know, it's because it involves you always got to remember anything that involves the media. The media cares a lot more about that's just the, that's just the way that we are. I mean, yeah, I'm technically part of the media. You know, I do a little radio, about 125 stations across the country. You know, it is what it is. Um, as well as, obviously, thehill.com rising every morning. Uh, by the way, those of you who haven't checked it out, if you want, the hill.tv slash rising. And the truth is, you can just look at the segments and click on the ones that, you look at the guest or, you know, look at the panel and see who's on it and click and see if you want to watch it. You don't have to sit there while we interview, like, Soros if you don't want to. Because we do have some of those. I mean, we do have some very uh, left-wing... Well, that would actually be a great segment. But I mean left-wing opinionators that come on. You don't have to sit through that if you don't want to. You can watch all of Rising a la carte. So, but it is a bipartisan show. So just be prepared. You know, you know this This is 100% pure buck on radio. It's only 50% buck on Because i got a co-host. And she's, she's great, but she's a liberal. So it's only 50% pure buck there. Uh, Steven... Right. Uh, Buck, listening to comments about the Wisconsin election, one thing that comes to mind, if not for the... Oh, no, I already read that one. Sorry, Stephen. Stephen also said, uh, should go for a full-out battle beard, shields high. Well, you know, Stephen, I I remember when I was told, when I was uh, just a wee wee CIA analyst, you know, trying trying to find his sea legs, I was told by some very veteran CIA folks, not actual veterans, but veterans in the in the CIA. Um, don't be the guy who shows up into the war zone when you're going to be doing, you know, 
analytic, uh, you know, analytic assessments and reports. And yeah, you know, you get outside the wire a little bit, but you know, you're not, you're not a door kicker. You're not, you're not a snake eater, not by a mile. Don't be the guy who's like, I just got here. Time to grow a beard right away. You know, it, there's some. If you're interacting with locals in Afghanistan, it, it makes more sense because they they look at people without beards, kind of like, huh? But uh, yeah, I did not. I did not go for a battle beard then, which I think was clearly the right move. Then um, as to going for a battle beard now, I do battle the libs on a regular basis, so I feel like I feel like that gives me some some leeway on the subject matter. I think that's possibly something to consider. I just don't know how to get. None of you have told me how I get past the itchy phase. Yo, John, did you ever grow a beard? I have a beard now. What? John, you just blew my mind. I haven't seen you in weeks. You saw me last Friday and you didn't know. Okay, now my you're beard. just blowing up my now you're just blowing up my spot and making me seem like um, you know, self involved talent over here doesn't pay attention to his beloved. You, you were too into your theme. you were too into your black rifle coffee and uh oh, man. Being in New York and looking forward you to see seeing this, everybody? Miss Molly. DJ John is lighting me up. All right, well I'm gonna you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a towel here, take a quick a quick pause. We'll come back, we'll finish roll call. Stay with me. The show ain't over yet, folks. Keeping it real. It's time for Roll Call. That's, I think that might be my favorite Roll Call. It, just, it sets us off. Although we did just play dubstep Roll Call. Which is funny because I don't even think dubstep is a thing anymore. Like of the people listening to this show, I bet less than 1% have listened to dubstep in the last month. I remember for a while that guy Skrillex with a little cigarette dangling out of his mouth was just, you know, blasting out people's eardrums all across the country. But things change. All right. Joe. Whoops, sorry. I hit the mic there. Joe writes, stashes, Buck. Oh, wait, we got a lot from Joe here. Buck, listen to your recent show where you talked about beardness and opinions. Here it goes. Scratchy beard chin. Yep, the first two weeks are the worst. Once the hair grows out enough that it's not constantly poking you, you are in the clear. Beard hygiene is also important. It's like washing your hair. Decent shampoo and get in and give the skin roots a good scrub. It sounds gross and silly, but it gets overlooked by some people. Huh, interesting. Stashes, you could totally roll with a nice handlebar. Nice accessory to that badass quaff on your noggin. Although the whole wax thing is a pain, as well as the period of time when it's too short to shape wax, but long enough to get into anything you're eating, drinking. In my humble opinion, it's just one more thing to have to do, but I'm an old curmudgeon now. Wow, Joe is like, Joe is like, you know, ninth degree black belt in in beard and stash. We got a lot, I got a, I know. I knew this audience... There, there, look, there are some things where I can crowdsource at a world-class level every time to this audience, no question, right? Questions about American history, done. Questions about World War II, done. Questions about meat, the proper cooking thereof, done. Firearms, done. And yes, facial hair. Facial hair also falls into the, uh, the category here. Uh, could I pull off a handlebar? I don't know. I don't know. Some of you should just send me your your favorite periods when you had uh, facial hair. You know, some of you should just send in to the Facebook inbox, facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. Show me your adventures in facial hair 
And maybe that will inspire me, team, to engage in my own facial hair adventure. Although I will tell you that there's a part of me that worries a little bit that uh, if I did get this whole thing going, that management at The Hill, where I have to appear on TV every day, would be like, uh, you look like a, 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 a cross between a toddler and a lumberjack, so we're going we're gonna to shut this one down. Um, yep. Mike writes, Buck, it's Mike from Canada. Picking you up on podcasts and loving it for close to three years now. Well, thank you, Mike. I, like you, am a chocolate lover. Indeed, Mike. Chocolate is one of my weaknesses. Where we really differ is that I enjoy it wrapped around nuts. I know you don't, and I was very close to triggering when you dissed those of us who do. Now I see you don't appreciate a good dill pickle on your burger. Sigh. What up? Can we agree at least on the fact that crispy bacon takes a burger to the promised land? Anyway, beyond all that, I truly hope you and the other conservative voices can begin to sway millennials to the light. Cheers and Godspeed, Buck. Um, Okay, Mike. First of all, love you, my brother up from the north, so thank you so much for writing in. Uh, As to chocolate and nuts, I'm I'm not not always opposed to chocolate with nuts. I I do like a a good chocolate bar with some almonds in it, a little sea salt. I can get down with that. And chocolate-covered nuts, I'm actually fine with. It's nuts in brownies where I throw a red flag. I'm sorry. I throw a flag. We are civilized people. We are not savages. We do not put nuts in brownies. Nobody wants nuts in brownies. Nobody. Okay? This is just a fiction that we've all been led to, oh, somebody will want them, so I'll put them in and ruin the brownies for everybody. No. False. Do not do it. We do not want nuts in the brownies. Um, And as to the pickle on the burger, Mike, you're Canadian, so I guess that's how they do it up north. That's all I can say, man. Here in America, we don't... Actually, I'm wrong, because they put pickles at McDonald's. They put pickles on the burgers all the time. But it's a salty vegetable you're putting on top of your burger. It it interferes with the taste of the delicious burger. I I know. As to bacon, Mike, of course. Of course, bacon. My burger that I had out in... uh, Springfield, Illinois yesterday, of course it had bacon on it. It was, it was an option. I said, bam, make that happen. Uh, bacon is one of the foods that I honestly eat most commonly. I, I, I eat bacon of different kinds and varieties. I even have, I even keep some pancetta, which is very versatile in the fridge. Pancetta is frou-frou bacon, but you can't make fun of it because it's still bacon. Deborah writes, why is Judge Kavanaugh being replaced already? I didn't know where to put my question. Deborah, I don't know what you're talking about, but thank you for the question. Taylor writes, absolutely grow a beard and a mullet if you're feeling a little rednecky. Um, I, don't, I could definitely do a mullet. I'm, I'm pretty sure my parents, God bless them, let me have a mullet for part of my grammar school years. I definitely had the hair that kind of like flipped up at the bottom, you know, not not really a full mullet, kind of a baby mullet, baby mullet. Um, but yeah, there you have it. But as to the wow, wow, Taylor's beard, Taylor's beard is ZZ top level. Taylor's beard is and he's posed with a large antlered animal that I'm assuming he killed himself. So or he just really likes to wear the color orange and found some roadkill. But I'm going to guess that he killed this very, uh, very impressive is that a pronghorn? I can't even tell what it is. Uh, but well done, Taylor. Taylor's beard's amazing. Aaron writes, hey, Buck, do the beard. During the itchy fave, leave a little conditioner in. Neck beard's okay if you grow it long. If you keep it close cropped to bass business attire, no neck beard. If all else fails, ask Miss Molly Shields high. 
Well, Aaron, thank you so much. Oh, even John just sent me a photo because I'm down in D.C. He's up in New York. Thank you, John. That'll keep me safe and warm knowing that John's beard is fully grown in. All right, everybody. Have a fantastic weekend. Have a great time. I will see you Monday. Shields high. Facebook, Google, some of these companies we're finding out and have kind of known for a while They've got agendas, folks, and they're not conservative. That much is for sure. Do you really trust the corporate types over at Google to protect your Gmail or at Yahoo to protect your Hotmail account? I don't know. You can check out iPatriots.us, however, which is a new conservative alternative to those liberal-based email services. iPatriots.us is secure, private, and includes more of what you want without all the ads and spam. With iPages, you get 30 gigs of cloud storage, larger attachment sizes, and much more. They've got great encryption, and they won't sell your information or support liberal agendas like a lot of those other free email providers. iPages.us emails compatible with most mobile devices. Show you're a patriot. Go to iPatriots.us now, choose your membership program, and input your desired iPatriots email address during checkout. Enter promo code BUCK, that's B-U-C-K, for 10% savings during your first year of membership.